Hi, and welcome to the Life with Jamie and More podcast. I'm doing this podcast as a father about raising my son who has Down syndrome and is on the autistic spectrum. This has real life challenges for me as his dad. And while I want to share my story, I really want to offer a place and give space to other dads to do the same. So let's get into one right now. Oh, by the way, this podcast comes with a language warning. It's real. It's life. It's how it is. So not for kids' ears. Welcome back to another episode of Life with Jamie and More. This week, I talk with a brilliant father called Frankie. Frankie is the father to Nicole, who has uh, Deverett syndrome, which is a uh, very much a form of epilepsy. So me and Frankie actually talked for over two and a half hours and you won't hear two and a half hours, but you will hear just over two hours of us talking and just the challenges that Frankie has as a dad going through this. Uh, him and his wife both suffer from PSD, from having these uh, seizures come and go so often. It's so hard and it is... I really appreciate that Frankie's told the story. Um, he also really uh, shares an amazing story about taking Nicole to a baseball game for uh, for kids who have uh, special needs and disabilities. What a great story! And um, it had me me in tears, and uh, also himself in tears. I encourage you to listen and uh, just there's so much to take away from this. You join us as actually, I just ask him if he blames himself. Did you ever blame yourself or do you? Oh, I I always, in the beginning of it, I, I was wondering if it came from me. Mm. You know, my, my wife and I both got tested to see if we had whatever it was that caused oh. this. How, how far and along when was it before you got that, before you actually got yourself tested, you guys were all tested. It was, it was within, I would, I imagine, I, I believe it's such a blur to me, but I imagine within a three month window, we right. both got, t- after it happened, the first thing uh, that happened, like okay. three months from that point, we got, we got tested yeah. to find out if we had anything that could have caused it. And there was nothing. Did you, Which really did, frustrated us as human. Okay. That frustrated mm. us tremendously. Mm. Um, it frustrated us because we didn't have a reason. Mm. There was no reason. They just mm. said it was an act. They just said that it's it's an accident. And that that is one of the most frustrating things you could ever tell a parent when their child has been diagnosed with something that cripples and i mean cripples their lives yeah. not 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 their lives like their parents lives i'm talking about the child's life because yeah. i'm a caretaker mm. right i'm just my job is to protect him and take care of him as long as i can mm. he's got to be the one to live this life mm. right so i'm not worried about me you know but there are times when you kind of do worry about yourself. 
And that's where the guilt comes in. Mm. Right? Because yeah. okay. your processing of this is just, you don't know what you're dealing with, but you know that every expectation that you've just had has been erased. Mm. Just instantly erased. Yeah. Have you, I, I, I want to ask you a question. There's a, uh, you may or may not know it. There's a poem which I found. Um, I, I, I uh, was, I, listened, I heard on a podcast about three years ago and it was called um, Welcome to Holland. Mm-hmm. And um, my, I was talking to Mike, uh, previous guest, his, his episode goes out um, on Sunday. Um, and he hadn't heard the poem, but he heard the poem that I mentioned in, in an episode and, and he went and checked it out and he read it. I actually read the poem out of it actually um, in the uh, episode, but he said that this poem for him and his wife, the Welcome to Holland poem, allowed allowed him to and his wife to be able to tap into the kind of where they were in their world. Because we, I kind of feel not all of us, and and everyone's really different with this, is that we're we're kind of. We believe when we when we become a parent is we we're like okay this is where we're going I'll, I'll refer to the poem here but like we're all kind of we get the the books or we you know we believe that we're going to go to Italy it's like I think of it as a holiday right you're planning a, a trip you're going to to Italy that's where all your friends are going that's where your friends have been you're going to Italy but what happens is when you get off the airplane is that actually there's been a problem and actually you're not in Italy you're in Holland. And so Holland's a great place, but actually you're not prepared for Holland. And Holland... I've heard this before. Yeah. yeah. Tell, okay. tell me more about I've heard this before. Yeah. yeah. And so you're kind of in this... You, you, Holland's a wonderful place to be, but it's not where you where you thought you were going to be. Yeah. And I... Yeah. And and so you, you're kind of in that position where you're looking over it, all your friends are over there. In Italy, they're having this wonderful time, and then here you are in yeah. Holland, and you're you're trying to smell those roses. It's very nice, but you're trying to smell the roses and and be you know um, enjoy what you've got. But you also come back to the fact that you you mentally planned and you prepared and all these things to be in Italy. Yeah, and that is a mind fuck. Yeah, hundred percent. And it continues to be a mind fuck for hundred yeah, percent for. Like, and so many, so many um, dads I know, and parents, like parents in general, um, almost, I feel it is not a lot of, they, they don't know how to, we need to kind of associate with something, connect with something for us to kind of move forward with it, you know? And when I heard that poem, I was like, there's, you know, there's like a, a moment in your life, you're like, that's fucking it. I can, I, I, I was able to, for me, I was able to be like, that's the moment I can, what for 11 years of my life, I was like, there it is. I could, I could relate to that. And I was like, that's how it is. And I, and it's such a, you know, for me, it was a, a, a real turning, turning point. Um, and it's just a poem. It's all it is. It's just a poem. Did you, did you. Did you have a lot of anxiety 
when you're when the day you realized because for me i got a, i had a burst of anxiety right that took over me okay I, okay when my son was diagnosed right i was I, mean, I was driving i was driving to take my car to the mechanic and this is before we got the diagnosis this this is just when we mm -hmm. got generalized epilepsy as a diagnosis there were right. two diagnoses we got okay I was driving, and I remember I was thinking about it the whole time. In my head, I'm going, he has epilepsy. I know mm. he has he has epilepsy. He has to have epilepsy. There's no way that his kid's having seizures after seizure after seizure. And ironically, like everyone who I spoke to about it, it was amazing how, how people's opinions were very split. One person would say, he'll be fine. Mm. Another person, they didn't say anything at all. You know, mm. They just look at you. And I was driving to the mechanic. Uh, they drop my car off and my wife called me just as I was pulling in and she goes in very very clear cold words I go so he goes well he has generalized epilepsy they're going to start him on whatever amount of medication a week and he starts today and I remember in that moment my wife was no longer the wife that I knew like she went down a path and so did I. The problem was our paths were not together. Like my wife and I are together. We're, we're not going anywhere. And we become so much stronger as a result mm -hmm. of it. But man, man, oh man, oh man, can I tell you that? I think you can relate to it that what your marriage goes through well, let's talk about this. Let's talk happens. about this because I think this is this this is actually a really interesting point and aspect of it because yeah, and I've had discussions about this because it is um, the the reoccurring theme that comes up is that it is marriage is hard anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. It takes a it it takes work, hard work, acceptance, listening, a lot of fucking listening on me, on my behalf anyway, um, <laughs> as a man. <laughs> Um, and I'm, I'm getting better on this. Um, I think we both thought we could both relate to that part <laughs> and it, and it's, and it's hard work, but then what happens is that you throw in, okay, you throw in just normal kids into a situation, right? Just yeah. when I say normal kids, I don't like that. Type. Like typical kids. Okay. Let's go sure. typical. Sure. Um, sure. So here we go. Typical kids into the equation. Um, and then the parents are trying to find out how to be a dad, how to be, how to be parents, be a dad. Well, of course, we're talking, about, we're talking from a dad's perspective here because we are dads. We can talk about that. We can't talk about what a, what a mum experience is because we're not mums. So let's talk about that dad experience. So we, we are thrown into this. Um, some people read up, some people don't. I don't, I didn't read up shit. I just was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to free ball this because I'm a free baller kind of guy. I'm like, boom, let's do this. Um, and so, you're all just, there's a third person in the relationship then. There's a third person. And that person requires a shitload of your attention, a shitload of your uh, skill set that you've gone through life, and you've got to focus it all onto that person. And you can't, it's very hard to kind of share that with, with, your, with your wife or your partner. because And that's what you've been doing. But all of a sudden, everything's shifted to the, to the baby, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, factor in um, whether it's straight away or, uh, you know, straight away or later on is that you now have to deal with the stress and anxiety that actually your child is going to need a whole lot more help 
a whole lot more. There's a whole lot more unknowns. Sometimes you know what they are. Sometimes you don't know what they are. Whatever their case is, you're just like, you're in this world as a dad of like, what the fuck is going on? Like I, and, and there's, and I, and sometimes like we don't even know that's how we feel. (laughs) I seriously believe this. I seriously believe that they are like, dads just go into this kind of robot mode of like, okay, like work, like I can, I can do this, but work and, and not fucking look after themselves. Like they, well, it's funny. It's funny. You should say that. Um, so I'm 47 and you didn't look a day over 25, mate. So uh, very, very kind of you. Thank you. Um, I'm 47. And uh, the reason why I say that is because I had my son back um, in my mid thirties and I was clear. I was very much out of shape. Uh, I used to, I used to weight train a lot. I used to, I used to bodybuild when I was younger. That was my right. thing. I, I loved it. It was part of my life. I, I, I was, I loved powerlifting. <laughs> I loved lifting heavy weights, all of that. And then it just fell off the face of the planet because I discovered acting and I went down that direction for a while. You know, one thing moved to the next. So I didn't touch the weights on that level of training, that high intensity training for years. And I wasn't taking care of myself. I just wasn't doing it. I was taking care of myself before our child came about. But then when he came about, you know, you go, you gain a little bit of weight and everything, but you still find a way to manage it. Right. Mm. Or not, like me. <laughs> or not, or not. Right. Well, it was a part of my it was a part of my lifestyle. So I I, I want yeah. I always had plans to go back to the gym. Right. right. But yeah. now times of the issue. Then you throw this into the mix, right? And now you're dealing with anxiety, mm-hmm. you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with responsibility, and you start feeling guilty for taking care of yourself. You know, you just and my wife was going, the wife was going through the same thing, but in her way, mm-hmm. right? You feel guilty for wanting anything, needing yeah. anything. Yeah. Okay. And as men, as men, clearly there's a lot of there's needs, you know, you just have a hard time because you're trying to look past yourself for the needs of your wife and your child. Mm but you're not taking care of yourself in the process. Right. And during COVID at the very beginning of COVID, I looked myself in the mirror and I knew I, if I don't take care of myself, I'm not going to be around to take care of this kid. Like I already knew it because he was getting bigger. He was getting longer, lankier. And we, I had to carry him places. And all I kept on thinking to myself was if this kid is going to be in his teens and I'm not capable of picking him up and carrying him. I'm in trouble. Like I have to be able to say, if we're out somewhere and the car is parked a mile, not, not that it would ever, we ever, we'd ever do that to ourselves. But if it was, if it was ever parked in a distance where I would have to pick him up and carry him, I can't do that in the shape that I'm in. You know, and I'm five, six. So I'm not too tall of a guy. I was 200 and almost 220 pounds. You know, so I was breathing heavy. I was having a hard time with it. And I got back into the training aspect of it back in 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 um, the starting of COVID. And I haven't stopped since. And I'll tell you, like, it came in handy. It came in very handy. 
And I found out that the importance of taking care of yourself is just as important as taking care of the people around you. Because if you can't take care of yourself, it's like the whole, when you go on a plane, what's the first thing they show you about, about emergency situations? They, if, if the if the mask comes down, yeah. take care of yourself first before you take care of anybody else. Because if you can't breathe, how are you going to help anyone? Yeah, yeah, that's so, right. And it's it's the same concept. I think so. That's a great, actually, that's a really good way of thinking about it. And I think that's, you know, if there's one thing we take away from this chat is that, because I think that's, that's such a great way of looking at it and be like, okay, we've got to give out, we've so got that oxygen, important. putting that oxygen in our face yeah. is giving ourselves um, right. the, it's like looking after ourselves. That is, that, that is it. And there was one thing I wanted to, I wanted, there was one point I was thinking about our, our conversation before we had it for the past week. And I've been so, so excited about talking to you about this one part. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, we could talk about it later on if we build up, if you want to build up to it, but, um, well, let's go into it, man. Let's, let's the way I see it. Mm, Okay. Okay. You go through the stages Mm. of acceptance. Yeah. Okay. Right. And the stages of acceptance don't really have to have in any specific order, but there's Mm. anger, there's resentment, there's denial, uh, there's guilt, there's frustration. I mean, all these 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 steps. And if there's any movie that I could relate this to, and mm-hmm. I, I always try to relate everything that I do to either either poetic uh, sayings or movies, because that's always how it, I've always been able to see things. Mm-hmm. Um, a recent movie that came out last year, but it was a year ago or, or a year and a half ago, I uh, was on Amazon called uh, The Sound of Metal. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? I have not. So it's it's about a man who was a drummer who has a very specific skill set and goes deaf and his stages of acceptance till he finally accepts that he's no longer, he cannot hear anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. And what is life, how he gets through those stages and how he goes through it. And man, what I'll tell you, when I saw that movie for the first time, the very last scene of that movie, it was as if he was looking, looking at me in the eyes. Like he was saying to me, it's your turn. Like you have to accept. It was it was this most strangest, eeriest feeling. I was in my bed. My son is sleeping next to us, which I'll talk to you about that whole situation, why we do that. But he was sleeping right next to me. Uh, my wife is next to him. My daughter likes to sleep in the room sometimes with us. So she puts the little air mattress down on the floor and she sleeps there. And I'm watching this movie and he just turns and looks directly at the screen and it fades to black. And it's like, he's looking right at me in the eyes and it's like, Oh, I get it now. I get it. It's like, what it's basically saying is that you have no choice, but to go through the stages. You have no, you have, you are not exempt from going through the stages that you have to go through for acceptance. Because you're going to be resentful, you're going to refuse, you're going to deny, you're going to hate, you're going to be isolated, you're going to blame, you're going to have delusions, you're going to be um, not deceiving, not the word deceiving, to yourself. Like you're, 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 you're trying to convince yourself that it's, that you're okay. 
You're all right. You don't need help. You how, got long, how long did you convince yourself that you were okay? 11 years. 11 years mm. of trying to be that male figure that we've always been trained we have to be. Mm. Which I think is a very damaging... Not damaging. We have to be strong. Men have to be strong. We, we all why do, strong. why do we Men, have women... to be strong, though, Frankie? Like, what... what... Yeah, I grew up. I grew. I grew up. I grew up uh, European Italian. Like my, I'm first generation born in the U.S. Right? High expectations. (laughs) You know, you're you're expected to Mm. to to do that thing, Mm. right? And it's not your parents that do that to you. It's the culture. You know, when you socialization of it, right? It's just just what it's what it is. You know, when you when you're brought up in a cultural environment, and the Mm. cultures are very very grounded mm. in your upbringing it's a part of you it becomes a part of you but when you're when you're thrown a curveball like this where you have a child now who's who has a condition mm. okay it's incredible how none of the cultures really matter they don't matter when this happens mm. because you are at the rawest possible state of survival. You, everything is compromised. Yeah, yeah. Everything is compromised. Yep. You know, your finances are compromised. Mm. The way you raise your kids are compromised because you can't raise them the way you raise way other people raise their children now. Mm. Mm. You become isolated because when people do certain things that by having fun doing normal things that shouldn't have to require a lot of effort. You got to put all of your effort into it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All of your effort into it. So how, like, so there'd be guys, there are guys and, and, and mums who are listening to this, um, who are nodding and they're going, yes, Frankie, we, we know this, this is exactly. And some will say, well, I don't know. They haven't got to clicked onto this as well, but, um, how I want to try and go a little, let's go a little bit deeper on this. Um, because I, I've, I'm a, um, I'll be really honest and I haven't said this actually on, on the podcast, but I'm a feminist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I feel that, um, I've, I've, I've kind of got to that. I've kind of um, that wasn't just like this. That was a, a process I kind of went through to kind of get to that point. But I, I feel that um, I needed to. I, the first process was to me to kind of realize that I uh, was enough as to enough as a person, right? Enough as I didn't try to. I didn't need to be something that I thought I needed to be or felt that society kind of needed me to be. And this played a, like, I didn't realize this. I didn't even fucking realize how much that impacted my daily life. Mm-hmm. Was I sure? And that kind of um, allowed me to just, it was so, so, I'm trying to try to pull it to pieces without kind of sounding like I just don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, uh, which I'll probably die actually. But um, the, to be the best dad that i want to be let's go back to that let's go back to that and to and because i think this is we were a lot of dads are on the same page with this to be the best dad that we want to be how do we do this 
how do how do you and I allow ourselves to look after ourselves? And let's talk about that as well, because I think that to look after ourselves, that flows into how we can be the best dad, the best the best uh, husband, partner, whoever we want to be mm-hmm. or are, mm-hmm. is we have to look after ourselves. Now, how the fuck do we do this? How do you do it? How do you? Because you've got this, you've got your job, you've got your family, the grounding of yourself, the filling of your cup. You said you go to the gym, you do your workout. What is that to you? When you hit the gym or maybe at home, I don't know, but how do you, when you are sitting there and you're doing doing your weights, doing your exercise, working out, what is that? How do you feel in that moment? How are you feeling? Free. What are you Free. thinking? What are you thinking about when you do it? Um, I channel, I've always been this way. I channel my traumas in my life because I've had plenty of them from my past. I, I channel them and use them as fuel. That's what I've always done. I've always been that mm-hmm. way. When I'm in the gym and I train, I do train at home because I need to be close to my family. Yep. Right. And there's no time to go to the gym. So I built one in my garage. I was, I, I had the privilege of being able to do this. Um, there are moments when I've cried my eyes out in the gym. Because when you, you, for me, it's very hard to get deep to my core right? Like I'm very self-aware of myself. I'm very self of who I am. I'm very self-aware when I'm wrong. I know when I've said things I shouldn't have said. I know mm-hmm. when I do things I haven't done. I'm very humbled by that. And the training for me has always been a therapeutic process to keep myself centered. And then there were days when at the very beginning of going back to the training that it was nothing but therapeutic. Now I'm, I'm two, two and a half years in, so it's it's more training more for me and I can do what I need to do for myself to get better. But there was about a good year that the training was releasing. Mm. I remember one time specifically, I was training my back and I, I try to train moderately heavy with high intensity and all that. And I'm doing back rows with a dumbbell and... I just wouldn't stop going. I just, I was past the point of failure, right? My muscle, my back is numb. It's not going to go. And I just kept on going. And at this point, I'm like, it's almost like dangerous because I'm, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm using my whole body to do it now. Mm-hmm. And I had the music going, you know, and music is a very big influence for me. Like I use music. I use it as a tool to get me in that rabbit hole that I need to be in order to make a mind-body connection. Um, and it works exceptionally well for me, you know, to get mm. there. Because it creates it creates a moment. It creates a true moment of, of, of whatever you're going through. Mm. Mm. And it, it brings out, uh, it, it's like, it's like you're, 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 it's like you got a cold and you just got to blow your nose and get everything out. It just, it, it does that for me. Mm. Um, and when I hit those weights, I mean, there was there was a few 
times when I had my son's situation in my head because he had a seizure that night before, he had a seizure that afternoon, or let's say I didn't handle something properly around his disorder because I felt I was negligent, but I wasn't. It was just that you can't have your eyes on your son all the time, mm. on your child yeah. all the time when they have this condition. You just can't. And then one day, one minute, the second you turn your head, something happens. And you beat yourself up over it. I, I used to beat myself up over that, saying, I should have known better. What was wrong with me? Well, how did I miss that? You know. And then I would be in the gym. And I knew in my, in my gut instinct. My gut instinct told me it wasn't your fault. You know it wasn't your fault. It's, he had the accident. He had, a, he had a seizure. He fell down. And it's not your fault. But... It's always in those windows when it happens. Like you, you just let your guard down for that brief moment and it happens and you beat yourself up over it, mm. you know, yeah. because you should have known better. I should have known better. I should have. I know it's almost like you're talking to yourself a lot because you're, mm. you're saying, I know I should, I know it's not my fault, but yet I have to blame somebody. Yeah. It's gotta be, it's, you want to, you gotta blame. You gotta blame it, 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 yes. Yeah. You gotta blame something. Mm. There's there's gotta be something to blame for this shit. Mm. I don't want to curse on your podcast, but you you gotta fucking blame somebody. And there's no one to blame. There's no one to blame. Mm. So you blame yourself. Like you should have known better. And you no, I, I and then you say to yourself, look, you know, all right, fine. And then that moment passes, you move on, you know, lesson learned, but then it happens again. You know, it happens again. Another accident happens. Again, you weren't looking. How can you, how can you, how can you watch somebody 24 seven? It, yet that's not normal living, but you're not living a normal life. Yep. You're not living a normal life. And, and, and it's, it's one of those situations where the gym for me, has always been that therapy that says it's okay. So what I do is I I have a a baby monitor that I keep beside me mm -hmm. at all times when he's not in front of my face, right? Because not only can I see that something's wrong, but I can hear it. So my wife and I have PTSD as a result of the seizure disorder because mm -hmm. we could we could hear when he's about to when he's having one. If there's a thump in the house, right away, whatever we're doing, we're like firefighters at the at the at the sound of, of yeah. the siren. We just you just on go. on those continuous high. You're on on extremely kind of high alert, aren't you? And you 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 are on high yeah. alert twenty four seven. Okay, mm -hmm. to the point, to the point, and this is another another level of this is that my wife and I normal days we don't sleep in the same bed. So my wife and I on normal and I. And like the past few nights, I slept in I slept in my bed with my with my wife and my son because mm -hmm. our son has to sleep with one of us, has to. Mm -hmm. But it got to the point that we put a mattress in our bedroom mm -hmm. next to our bed. So if I decide I'd like to sleep in the bed, I'll move my son to the mattress, but my wife has to be next to him, right? And I could sleep through anything. I mean, I could sleep through it all my wife can't like she will sense that there's something wrong um 
So what we'll do is on those nights that I decide we're asleep in the room, we'll put them on the mattress. Now, because I worked odd hours, I might get home sometimes two o'clock in the morning. Now he's mm -hmm. up at five, six o'clock in the morning sometimes, if not all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get realistic sleep with that. So what I'll do is I'll go to the other room and I'll sleep in the room and she'll stay with him. But then there's a there's a sustainability issue because you can only do that for so many days before my wife is completely wiped out because mm. she'll wake up in the morning with him and he gets up. They don't sleep well. Drave syndrome. Uh, All right. You know, victims don't sleep well. They don't do well with sleep. So he gets up. He doesn't sleep eat throughout the whole night. He'll wake up in the middle of the night. He'll wake up in the early in the morning and he'll just get up and he'll go. He'll go around the house. Wow. So in the nights that I sleep with him, we had to reverse the locks on our door, on his bedroom door. So in the event that I sleep with him in the other room, because I usually sleep through a lot, he'll mm -hmm. wake up before me, and he knows he's not going to go anywhere. So the doors are locked on, in his room, so that way he don't, I have a key that lets us out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a fire hazard or anything like that. We let ourselves out, and, and that's yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but that way he doesn't leave. That gives yeah. my wife the opportunity to sleep. And I can sleep knowing that he's in the room with me and he's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. The other reason why he yeah. sleeps with us is because of, uh, is because that a lot of children and a lot of people who have epilepsy, there are cases when they die in their sleep because they'll have a seizure and they won't be able to breathe. Their head will be in the pillow, whatever the case may be, and they will die in their sleep. And it's the biggest fear in the world for any parent to let, forget about just having a child grow up and go out into the real world and in their, in their teens and have to deal with, you know, will they be okay? You know, are they worried about, do they know about the traps that are out there? Could they get into trouble when they're driving a car for the first time? As a parent, you worry about all these things. It's mm -hmm. another that the every day when your child goes to sleep, there is always something in the back of your head that hopes to God nothing happens while you're sleeping. Mm. You know, we went as far as to have a watch that's on his wrist. And it came through a few times where he'd have this watch in his wrist um, and it would sense rapid uh, heartbeat mm. in his wrist. Right, right. And that would, set, that would set off an alarm on our phones and we'd have wow. to wake up to treat, to help him. And it's that's amazing the things we do, isn't it? Amazing the things that we kind of, you like, you know, we like, okay, we, this is something we can try and do to kind of make, our, you know, make our lives, make our children's lives, you know, a little bit easier. And I, funny, like hearing your, your story there because I, I remembered. I just kind of remembered how uh, Jamie he has asthma like me. I, I've had asthma since I've been a kid, and he, he him, him as well, which is obviously like never a good thing. Um, and when he was when he was younger. Um, when he would get a cold, his asthma would kick in, and um, a couple there were there were kind of times where, like when he was well unwell, he sleeps in the room opposite us with his with his brother, and I remember um, I would just sleep in his bed that night, or the, if he was mm -hmm. unwell, I'd be like, because it's I know what it's like to have asthma. I know when you feel that you cannot breathe. That is a fucking. It is horrible. It is a Heartful. horrible, horrible feeling. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
and so i would i would kind of just crash in in his bed and you know um i'm a i'm over six foot um and his bed is you know it's a single bed <laughs> so, so your feet are hanging off it <laughs> well actually my feet well actually no my feet aren't almost um but but it's it's certainly not a comfortable sleep and he 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 moves around like it oh man i'll tell you what like he just he does burnouts in the bed like he's like just you know he does loops yeah and he'll end up facing the other way and like you know just kick my back and all this kind of shit. but it doesn't matter because i guess if i if i'm in there when he's unwell um this is, it doesn't happen so much now actually uh touch touch wood on this because like um but i remember the i would have the anxiety of if i was to sleep in in our room would i if he woke up and he had had an asthma attack would kick in um would i would i hear him because i might be in a really deep sleep uh it was, i wasn't worried whether my wife would hear it was like whether i would hear him um and and so i would do that but then and then there was something there was like i often still worry about this is him actually um getting up and actually going for a walk like in the middle of the night um and i i kind of um right before last i kind of i thought he got up actually at three o'clock four o'clock in the morning i thought he got up i was in a, must have been in a light phase and i thought i could hear these noises and i was like you know there was some like he was i got up and i went over and checked and his door, doors closed and they were sound asleep and there was just some um noise in the apartment block don't know what the fuck was going on but anyway um but we kind of live in that world of anxiety that that you know we just have to accept and we kind of we deal with you talk about like you talk about the gym as being and and working out as being a really vital part of um your for your mental health basically because that, that must that's that's really what it comes down to right and then your mental health uh it, it's helping you physically as well right is there anything else that actually because what I'm getting at here is that when you're doing that, you're in you're in your house, okay. You're in you're in you're in that environment. Is there other any other thing that allows you to be away from from the world, from all the stress and anxiety and the pressure and the and the guilt and the you know that you're able to be just Frankie, Frankie who you know. Who walks well, the I earth? Mean, is it, is it... I, I yeah, I hear that. I hear what you're saying. You know, um, I don't know myself anymore without my family. I don't want to know that person anymore. That person was me. I, I grew from that person. Being a special needs parent for me is one of those like unfortunate privileges in life mm. where you are forced to become the person who you were meant to be, but you're mm. kicking and screaming the whole way when you're doing it. Mm. You're digging your heels in the ground and it would just, it's like the old saying, like, oh, it would be just so much easier if you just went along with it. Mm. Well, I don't want to fucking go along with it. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go along with this. Why should I want to go along with this for my kids? My kids ill. And when I, I'm, my wife always says he's not sick. He has a condition. I and mean, she's right. He's not sick. 
He's not ill. He has a spectrum disorder. He's mm -hmm. not ill. I don't want to go along with it. I'm angry. You know, I'm angry. I'm I'm I'm, I'm upset. You know, and I'm I'm saying this not now like I'm angry in the moment. I'm just yeah, saying yeah, like yeah. You, the, the thoughts of what you go through your mind. I'm angry. We deserve better. He deserves better. Okay, what are you gonna do about it? You know, what, what, what are you gonna do about it? Well, what can you do about that? Are you a can you fix it? Can you replace it? Well, there's all sorts of discussions about other other ways that they're that, that they're coming out with. I don't want to discuss that on your podcast because I, I don't have the medical research to back that up, right? And you and then the next minute that thought is gone. Because what you're doing is you're allowing yourself to feel in the moment what's going on. As far as like what allows me to be me, to be Frankie. My thing is I always embedded myself into the work that I do. I kind of let myself get lost in it. I think a lot of men do this. I think a lot of people do this, but men specifically, mm -hmm. because predominantly we're, we're the ones that go to work or, you know, we go, I don't want, I don't want to start uh, saying things in, in a way that could be, could be taken the wrong way. Um, traditionally yeah that's yep. what men do okay yep. that that's the best that's, if i guess if i use the word yeah. traditionally yeah. that'll help okay yeah. traditionally that's what it was so what i learned about myself uh through this whole process is that i have a lot to offer i have a lot to i like to help people and for me, I don't know what that is. I feel like helping others in their careers have always helped me not feel better, but almost like gave me a, a little purpose other than being a special needs father, right? And I've used that throughout my whole life. That's just the way I've always been throughout my whole life, even before I had a family. Like I've always enjoyed helping people to, to, and I like listening to people. I'm very empathic, very empathetic towards other people's situations that they go through. I also understand if I have nothing to offer them, all I'm doing is just listening. And sometimes that's all people want is just someone to validate what they're going through. Right. And, yeah. and validating sometimes is probably the most powerful thing you can give as a gift to somebody with what, mm -hmm. what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know this because there were for years I was feeling unvalidated mm. with what my wife and I were going through. Yeah. So if to answer your question, what do I do? What else do I do is I, for myself? It's I told you recently on our on our text uh, conversation that when I came across your. uh your feed on Facebook about wanting to have guests on your show. It was as if that was meant specifically for me in mm. that moment. Mm. Right. Because I was going through a period where I just accepted what was going on. Mm. What was happening to me. And then this popped up like wow. your, your feed, your feed popped up. Oh, right. Yeah. And I, I always felt 
that those aren't accidents. Those aren't. I always trusted that whatever was happening to my family, to me, was happening for a reason. Mm -hmm. And it's going to bring me to where I belong. Right. And prior to seeing your feed, seeing your post, I had told my wife that I think I want to start a podcast. Mm. Like, I think I want to start a podcast. And I, and she's like, what do you want to do it about? And I go, I, I would like to do it. I want to offer a platform to people to be able to come and speak about their, their lives as special needs parents. Mm. Because it's you, we do not get to hear enough from people who live this lifestyle. Mm. And it is a lifestyle because they're in isolation. Yes, it is. It, it, yes. They're in isolation a lot. And then, and when I, when mm. I came to that, that, that realization, my wife was also coming to, to her realization of what she wanted to do, right? That she wants to open up, uh, she wants to be able to, to help people who just got involved in this, in this lifestyle where they're, they're lost. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. And she wants to be able to, uh, to be, to counsel them as to what direction they can go in. So we both came to that moment together, but separately, like we both knew that we both needed to be part of this. And, um, I think this whole situation that we, this whole uh, lifestyle that we live now just brought my life full circle. Like I truly, I, it's as if for all these years I've been waiting around for that moment to strike where it's like, what, what am I meant to be doing? And I know it's coming. I know it's coming, but I don't know when and where. Now, I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to be a podcaster for the rest of my life or anything like that. But the, 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 the point that I'm trying to make is that everything happens in stages and they happen for reasons. Mm. And as I say this to her, you showed up. <laughs> out of nowhere and it's like look at this i this this is exactly what i mean this is exactly what i mean i mean i remember one time years ago i'm going way back when my wife decided because we took a massive financial hit when we decided when we knew that only that one had to stay home like we took half our salary was was cut right mm -hmm. away my wife had to quit her job she had to resign because now she's got to be home taking care of our son with his condition uh i didn't know how i was going to do this I was a freelancer. I didn't have the health coverage. We had it through, through her industry. She was a teacher. Mm -hmm. And now I have to provide finances and health coverage as a freelancer. Mm -hmm. How am I going to do this? Because it's very, very expensive. Can I, and, actually, Frank, can I, uh, can I, that's an interesting point there because I, I like, you, we, before we talked about kind of the um, culture and kind of you, you, you kind of became the, um the owner and the family essentially you like what you're saying for now. a small for a small i'm basically yeah. going to make sure we know yeah for a small period of time because my wife is a workaholic i mean she right, has right. She, three jobs she she is a powerhouse like i cannot even describe to you without yeah. her none of this works <laughs> yeah i bet no, and it's it's it, it, it's a it's a very much a like a team exercise because you can't it's so hard to do this alone Mm -hmm. Is but I know I know I know there are dads that do it alone and there's mums that do it alone. But I'm I'm interested because I think that's a something that as again we come back to that to to men how we um sometimes we tend to be like okay 
I'm I'm going to be the one who goes out and does the work, and you know, uh, you're the mum. You stay home and do this. Can I ask? Was there was there like a? Um, I guess there was a discussion about this because, um, whether who who you was it easy to decide who was going to stay home and look after, or was it? I think I I think it 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 was just a natural choice mm. that she was going to be the one. To- do it i mean she mm. put it this way she didn't say you know who should stay home and who should, we didn't say like we didn't have a conversation mm. about who should stay home and who should, who should go to work she just said straight out i gotta quit my job mm. i have to quit my job and i wasn't about to fight with her over this because i was hot wired to go to work you know that was the expectation mm. work you know, and don't get me wrong. I'm not the type that wasn't hands-on with my, with my children. I'm a very, I was, I'm a very hands-on father. I cleaned them. I did everything that I, I had, she didn't teach me to do these things. I planned to do these right out of the gate. Like that was the way I, I wanted to be a hands-on father. I did not want my wife having to bear the brunt of doing all that work. However, no matter how much I do, she will always do more than me. There's, no way around that. I, I could never match the amount of a meticulous work that she does when it comes to taking care of the kids and taking care of the household. Like we always have discussions about cleaning the house and I tidy up. And that's true. I tidy up. She cleans the house. Okay. There, there's <laughs> yeah, no there's doubt a... about that. Yeah, I... You know, I have no, I have no no feeling of of pride that in, in, in that I, there's mm. no doubt about it. She yeah. does whatever I do. Mm. She does more than me, and yeah. and it yeah. would make it would make sense. Mm. But what ended up happening was I didn't know what I was going to do about this because I was we were scared to death. We didn't, but I was like, okay. Well, yeah. we're going to do this. And that day, the very first day that she stayed home, I got offered a staff job at my uh, where I worked. Right. There you go. I was I wasn't expecting this. It was no. it, I wasn't expecting this at all. And I was offered a staff job. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you that staff job came literally the the very first day that she stayed home. And when I remember when I called her and told her it's like I'm like you're not gonna believe this. She's like what? Like like worried and I just went they offered me staff. And how much, how much of that was a massive relief for you guys? Oh, it was tremendous relief, especially when I signed the contract, when I saw what I was being offered with health insurance. And yeah. it was, the health insurance was fantastic at that company that I worked at. I'm keeping the name out because I just don't want to. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. No, no, that's, I don't yep. want to bring names up, but it, it was, it was, it was unbelievable what we were getting, you yeah. know, for him. And that's this. massive because that is huge, right? Because tremendous. it's, and it comes back to all these, like, you know, things, things happen for a reason. And unfortunately there are things that happen to, to us in our lives that we like, we, we look at the individual situation and like, that's just that's such a shit situation, but it, it happens for a reason. And sometimes that reason doesn't become clear. Sometimes for years, sometimes it happens like the next day. Right. Mm-hmm. But it just like everything happens for a reason. I, I, I really believe it. Um, and it, and it's just accepting kind of that's for me anyway. Like I just have to kind of catch myself and be like, you know, okay, it's shit, 
it's or it's great whatever but it, it and it's it's happened and when you've kind of rolled with it um it's man i got like we're we're, we're speaking about so many things here it's really good i i it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to stay on track with anything. It like is. There's so many. There's so many emotions that come with this, and you, you want to throw everything out of the table, and it's like a big puzzle. You got to put it all together to yeah. make to make it all make sense. But I think what what I understand what you're getting at. I just just hearing the way you speak and what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're feeling, and and it's just this overwhelming sense of there's so much that is impossible to put into words what it is to be in this position right yes. there's just mm. it's an impossibility to do so it just is i so. i i kind of what i what i love to try and tap into is is because i feel that there are there's there's guys out there who um and mums mums I'll, I'll be honest my i got 65 percent of my listening audience is female Mm-hmm. So work out the remainder of uh, who who's man in this, um, mm-hmm. and and it's which is frustrating, but it's also I kind of hope that like that the sixty five percent of the woman who listen to this is it can trend like they listen to it around their husbands, and their husbands hear what what we are talking about right here today, and because I think that. As dads, we feel like we often, yeah, we get, we don't know how to listen to our emotions. Yeah. And listen and communicate our emotions. Yes. And we feel, and we feel that we are so alone in this and we feel that we don't, we struggle to even listen to other dads who who if if we're if we're not exactly in the same situation if we're not exactly experienced uh, kids are not exactly the same age don't have the same symptoms or even if they are so close as it like kind of right just write it off it's like no nah, no nah, different 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 like you know and i this is why i talk to i like talking to different dads to get all these kind of different um experiences because experiences and talking about the journeys and the struggles that we have as dads is extremely important for, for me because I, I think that it, that funnels out. I hope it funnels out into, into the dads. Well, I, 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 if I may. Yeah. 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 Go for it. If I may. Um, I know you're harping on with this. I know you're getting on with this and I'll try to be very specific with this to give the journey for your male audience. If, if this could help, I I would like to be able to try to break that ice if Mm -hmm. we could predominantly most. And I, you're right that a a big majority, as when you say the majority of your 65% of your audience is female, there's a reason for that Mm. is because women are more likely to be the ones to be more, open to themselves when it comes to what they're going through. Okay. Yep. And I'm going to put, I'm going to give credit to my acting training for this. Okay. Uh, when I trained as an actor, I was in my twenties 
And the one thing that they teach you is that you need to be able to be as vulnerable as possible, to be as genuine as possible for a role. The more vulnerability you have, the more the audience can relate to you. And the more they can relate to you, the more the moment comes alive and is real. Okay, now, this is coming from a person who came from the Bronx in New York, where being tough, you, you had no choice but to be as tough as you could. You know, now mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, you know, I was, I was none of that. I mean, I, I was the nice guy, right? But you can't help that some of that toughness rubs off on you because mm-hmm. you're surrounded by a lot of people who come off very, very, you know. Yep. Ironically, everyone's in the same exact boat. They're all afraid. You know, they're afraid to look inward. They're afraid to admit what they like, what they don't like, who they are, who, who, what their interests are, all of these things. You know, and it was in that period of being an actor that I took on the understanding that critique from other people, harsh critique, if I can get through harsh critique, mm-hmm. I can be a better person because I'm only going to learn more, learn more about myself, right? And what it did for me is it well, it made me more well-rounded to understand that being self-aware of who you are is vital to being able to handle situations in everyday life. And no matter how self-aware I can be, I'll still have that pride issue that comes with expectation of yourself, expectation that's been put on us as men. Okay. There's a lot of expectation on men and women alike. Mm. But those expectations, those expectations are very geared towards the gender roles, right? When it comes to a special needs situation, men don't want my, my, and I can't speak for all men, but generally what I've been, when I've had discussions with other people, for myself, what I had a hard time with was I had expectations of what I was going to do with my son. And I can't do that with him. And that, ironically, was a big part of my anger. There it is. That was a big part of my anger. That I have all of these tool sets and things that I had planned out. I had planned out me. Not for him, but for me. Mm. I wanted to take the pictures of him doing the sports that I did growing up. I wanted to take pictures of him going on the weights the way I used to. I want to train to be strong yep. as Papa is. Yep. And that's the Italy. That's the Italy right that, there, man. That, that, that's, that's the, the culture. Like you, yep. you, there's this pride thing that comes with it. Now here's the, here's the thing. I'm not talking bad about that. No, there's nothing wrong with that pride. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that pride whatsoever. But because you can't even access any of it, it becomes a priority to you that you can you you are being told no in your mind you're being told no you can't do that 
you're going to do this instead. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to do this. You can't do this. Deal with it. Like you're talking to some sort of force that's saying that to you. It's like the, it's like you're being laughed at. It's like you're being saying, you think you wanted you you think you're gonna get all those things? Fuck you. No, you're not. Yeah. And then here you are. And the the hard part about me about me saying all of this is that I sound selfish. Right? I I, I actually I I honestly I don't think so because I I think that that's what I hear is that you're being just you you're saying exactly how every or not every but you're saying what what I feel what guys feel who are the dads who are in in these situations that's that's what they feel but they don't talk about it because we can't fucking there's not enough of of a circle for the guys to be like sitting around and be like, you know, you know, sitting down and having a beer with your mate. That's fine. We can all do that shit. But what we all struggle to do is sit down and actually talk about the real shit that goes on in our lives because we live in a fucking different world to 99% of our mates who don't have the, the struggles that we live with, don't have the trauma that we live, don't have the anxiety that we live with. That's what we struggle with. Yeah. That's the daily and, struggle. And and here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I say all of that right now, I put a lot of emphasis on on pride and and wanting to raise your child a certain way and it being robbed. Like you feel like you're robbed. You're robbed of something, right? Mm. That is just a fraction yep. of the emotions you go through. That's just a small mm. part of it. Yeah. Right? The other part of it is you're looking at your son who you know in the state that he is in will not do certain things that boys do to become men and they won't be exposed maybe they will who who am i to say what my son's Mm -hmm. going to have in his future i don't know what he's going to have in his future he could be cured 10 years from now for all i know they could come out with some sort of gene replacement thing that that's that that i hear about going on Okay, and it might re- it might repair everything like this. Okay, but I'm getting to know this child the way he is at 11 years old, and I'm seeing immense progress in him in himself the way he is, right? But while that's going on, there's still a part of you that, in your mind, and you might I could be just telling myself this. Maybe it's maybe I need to get out of my own way with this one. Maybe I'm wrong. Could be, but there's this part of you that you want your child to have everything that you had and more. And in this case, the odds of that happening are extremely stacked up against you, stacked Mm -hmm. up against him. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you're sad because of that. But ironically, my son's one of the happiest kids I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's the funny thing, isn't it? That's the funny okay, thing in it. his world, in yeah. his world, that's a great he thing about ha- it. Yeah. he's as happy as shit. I mean, mm-hmm. he can, he can, 
it, when I tell you the laughter that comes out of this boy's mouth, the look in his eye, the glisten in his eye of happiness, the in, the innocence of it, right? And then he's like mischievous at times too. He likes to he likes to fool with you, likes to fool around with you. This is the boy that I'm getting to know, right? But his part of his condition is that it's a severe delay in everything. And just now at 11 years old, he's starting to come more. He's starting to come out more with, with his uh, being able to speak because he can't speak clearly. Everything's affected. He can't speak clearly. Everything's in fragments. He's on a ketogenic diet, a highly modified ketogenic diet because ketogenic diets, the fat in the, in, in, um, that, you give the, that you give them in their food helps to ease the, the brain cells. Right. Okay. I mean, I, you learn quite a bit about nutrition and how food affects uh, epilepsy. And it's very true. Um, I, I mean, this boy's a happy boy. He's a spoiled boy to some extent, because we also have to take care of a lot of other things that he should be doing on his own once in a while, but he's learning, you know, but nonetheless, he's a happy boy. Right. Yeah. And I, so uh, yeah, my, my happiness, my happiness is not his happiness, mm. right? What I'm accepting now is probably what men accept of their sons when they're in their teens and, and early, early twenties, when they're deciding what they're going to do with their lives, mm. right? I wanted to become, you should have become this. I wanted to see you become some sort of whatever industry you pick the industry, you fill in the blanks. But I don't want to be that pop. I want to be this. I don't want to be that. I want to do this for my living. Ah, oh, why do you want to do that for? Right? This is a variation of that. The boy's happy. The boy's happy. You know? And, and I mean, I can't ask for anything more than that. I really can't. So if my job is to care is to be his caretaker then I shouldn't be upset if he is not doing the things that I did yeah. or learn the things. I would love it. It would be a gift to me if I could train him to do something that I did when I was, grow when I was growing up. And I, you could show him things. I could show him things that he can do, you know, but there's a safety issue involved with a lot of stuff. You know, you got to be very careful of that, you know, but I could always try to, teach him something that I want to do. And there's mm -hmm. no reason why I can't, but you have very yeah. specific agenda. As a father, we have a very specific agenda. If you're cultural, you have a very specific agenda of what those things are. Mm -hmm. You're not generalizing with it. You're not like, ah, we'll just go, we'll go throw a ball around a little bit. No, no, no. Like there is a pattern <laughs> that mm -hmm. you will follow and you will do this and you will go through these. You're going to dress a certain way. You're going to act a certain way. Mm. I I didn't I myself knew that I wasn't like that. You know. So if I'm not like that, I'm not going to put that onto him. Mm. But you know, when you become a father, one of the things we all do as parents is we automatically go to how we were raised in yeah. order to raise our kids because that, that's narrative, the, right? That's the narrative. The it's it's the narrative. It's the easiest way to get yeah. a jump start on parenting. What happens down the road is is all on you, but in the beginning, you immediately go to the tool set that you were given as from your parents. And I will, you know, I will tell you, not, nothing I'm more, I can't be more grateful for a lot of the stuff that I was taught by my parents and the people around me that that also raised us to a degree because my parents divorced when I was when I was a very a very young child. 
So, you know, and with everything my parents went through, they still managed to raise two, two boys in, in a very, a very tumultuous situation where divorce was not accepted in the mm -hmm. culture that we grew up in, but it happened nonetheless. It was very scandalous, you know, Man. but, um, when this yeah. happens, um, I had to accept, and it was it wasn't hard to accept. You just don't realize that's what's going on with you. You got to be very self open and self aware and humbled by the experience that your life is not their life. If they're happy, that's all that matters. You got to love them. You have to. You have to. Uh, be open-minded to possibilities of being wrong, which is another, probably a personal issue, but being wrong is not something that a lot of, a lot of people in general are, are good with because sometimes you can't afford to be wrong. You have to be right because it can cost you if you're not right. You know, your time, your time is limited. Money's limited. Um, everything gets affected by that. Mm -hmm. But part of the acceptance is recognizing that the happiness that you get from them is seeing them be able to grow on their own, even though you have to assist them as much as you can while that's happening. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's one of those situations where um, men process this very differently because we're testosterone you know, where we're, when you have to when you have testosterone in your body, there, there is this, this essence of power that comes with it. And when that happens, you really don't know how people are going to respond. You, you don't know how they get some act violently, some, because they don't know how to control their, 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 their emotions. They mm -hmm. can get angry. You know, like when I grew up, I don't know how it was for you, but when I grew up, if a, if a boy, if a kid, my age in his teens got angry, there was a fight. That was it. There was a fight. Hands down, there was a there was a fight, mm -hmm. and it always happened, right? And I just knew that uh, I I don't need that. Like, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't need. Okay. I, was, I, was, I, was, so, I was, yeah, that was. I was never a one to. You got to, and you got. There's expect. There's ex, You got. You got to have the awareness that you can't just expect men to just all respond amicably. You know, in, in a very, in a very, okay, I understand where you're coming from. You understand where I'm coming from. We agree and everything. But no, no, some, some do get very upset because they're emotionally driven by things that they have a hard time opening up to. And mm -hmm. the one thing for me that was the hardest in, in recognizing all of this was that I was forced to. Right? You're forced mm -hmm. to have to go down this path. You don't have a choice because it's either that or you're going to die of a heart attack. You're gonna die of a stroke. You're gonna you're gonna have an ulcer. Mm. You're gonna die. You're gonna get. You're gonna hurt yourself if you're not careful. You're, you're mm. gonna let yourself fall over and die because you're not allowing yourself to look inward and open up and understand that this is real. The life that you had prior to this is over. That's over. Yeah. You have to accept this for what it is. And take it. And I say that with still going through the process. Yes. Because it's never ending. Okay. I have to say it's never ending. Like I'm I'm not I'm not past it. No. I'm not past it. No. I, I my stage, 
because the repetitive energy, the repetitive situations that happen in your child's life will dictate how you respond because you can mm -hmm. get used to it. It's when you, you're not used to the changes and they're coming rapidly, that's when it's most anxious and you're most responsive to respond in a negative way because you mm -hmm. have no idea what the hell's going on. Yeah. You know, so he's he just turned, he tur he's turning 12 at the end of August. And I'll give you a short story to show, to tell you how I received my acceptance of it. Five years ago, if you put me in a room with children that had special needs, I rejected it. I don't want to be around them. I just, I, I knew in my heart that I, at some point, I was going to have to get used to this lifestyle. I was rejecting it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do it. About a year ago, one of my son's classmates was part of a baseball miracle league. So what it was is it's a baseball teams that um, special needs parents go to, and they allow the kids to run the bases and they throw the ball and they play two innings. They run the ball and they, they hit the ball and they run around the bases and nothing opens up your eyes more to how lucky you are than seeing another child who has worse than what your child has. Because I can't even describe to you what I was seeing on that baseball field. I mean, I'm talking kids in wheelchairs that the only thing they can move is their mouths. I mean, kids younger than my brother. I mean, younger than my my son, excuse me. That I, I couldn't imagine what that is. I know my, what I got to deal with. I don't know what that is. I got no idea what that is. Children that have uh, situations where they have behavioral issues, where they're just, they're throwing themselves on the floor, you know, and we're not talking kids that are tiny, like they're, they're, they're teenagers, you know, they, they could, when I say teenagers, they, they're, they are coming into that stage. Yeah. yeah. Right. And they're just, you got to pick them up. If you're not in the right shape, you can't pick them up. Like it's, it's hard to see this. And I'm seeing parents walk around that you could see we're all branded. It's like we have a tattoo that was branded into our skin. You don't see the brand, but you could see that you could see from the energy of all everyone around how they walk. There's a specific walk that we all have. There is a, a, a look on our faces that we all have. There's an energy around all of us that mm -hmm. we all have, right? I rejected all of it. I rejected all of it. And my wife said to me, what do you think? You think we should put him in it? I'm like, yeah, that would be nice. It, it, would, be nice. it would be nice. It would be nice to be able to do it. Now, when I say it would be nice to do it, I didn't mean, yeah, let's go for it. Mm -hmm. What I meant was, it would be nice, but he can never do this. She put him in it. My wife put him in the, in the baseball miracle league. And right away, my mind, I just went, oh boy. And she's like, okay, so it's on Saturday mornings. And she goes, I'm working. You're going to have to take him. And I'm like, oh God, I don't want to do this. In my head, I'm going, I don't want to do this. I don't want to fucking do this. <laughs> I just, I just don't want. Why not? Why didn't you want to do it? Can you pinpoint? Can you try and go deep on that? Because I, I am, I am one of those that doesn't like to move unless it's absolutely necessary. <laughs> I just we can, let's have a, let's 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 have a little humor with this for a second. Like I don't want to move unless it's absolutely necessary. But but. 
at the same time, at the same time, I knew this was necessary. Right? I knew we we're at the point where he's been home for 11 years. We haven't done anything with him really. He's been home all this time. Now he has a younger sister as well. I didn't even talk about her for a brief second. She's as normal as normal can be for an eight-year-old girl. Okay. She's also dramatically affected by all of this. Mm. Tremendously affected by all this. Tremendously traumatized. We had a trainer from a young age what this was when he had a seizure. So we couldn't be afraid. We had to show her. And the look in her face, you could tell she grew up instantly when that happened. She had to see this. Right. So now mm. she's like a third party yeah. that assists at eight years old with taking care of him. Mm. And she's incredible. I mean, this girl, she'll fight with him. She'll argue with him. She gets <laughs> mad at him. At the same time, she'll be the first one to say, Papa, he's having a seizure, you know, and I'll come running down to help out. So I take him to the baseball game. And there's a couple of reasons why I don't want to go. First is because I'm lazy. I don't want to do it. I just want to do it. Okay. The second reason is I already knew, and this is more importantly the reason why, to switch gears in terms of, yep. of seriousness. Susceptible to heat, having a seizure. Susceptible to excitement, having a seizure. Okay? Mm. There's only a certain window of time that we have before he's definitely going to go down. And I knew he was going to go down. I've been through too many times with him. He's going to go down no matter what. I take him to the game. It's perfect 70 degree weather with humidity right in the blazing sun. So I know I got a window that he's going to go down. Okay. He does one inning. Now I got the heat I'm dealing with. I got the excitement, the overload, the over sense, the over, his senses are completely going berserk. Now dopamine bursting through the top of his skull. He's going to go down. The second he gets normalized with it, he's going to hit. He plays one inning, has a seizure. Right there and then. Coaches come over. They're all concerned. They're worried. Is he all right? He's okay. And I, and I go through this all the time when people see it. And I go, he's fine. He'll come out of it. He'll be all right. And the thing is, I knew it was coming, right? So I was literally, as he was walking around, I was literally doing this with him. Like I was watching as, as if I was, I was playing football and I'm, I'm keeping my eye on him the whole time. Like, I'm waiting for him to go down so I could catch him in the act. And sure wow. enough, I'm in, the, I'm in the dugout. I'm in the dugout, and he's got his back turned to me. And I see a turn of his head very slowly like this. And that's when I knew it was coming. And he just, he fell right in my arms, and I laid him down. So it was as if I just, I caught him, put him down, laid him down, gave him the medicine, and I just waited. I just waited. But what got me was that there was no ill response from anybody else around us because people stare they stare they look oh god what's going on? you didn't get any of that and for the first time in the 11 years i felt i was where i belonged and i could tell that i was starting to feel the acceptance of it i was ready to accept the fact that these individuals who i am surrounded by now are to some extent, my family. They're your tribe. We're kind of in the way. This is my tribe. Yeah. This is my tribe. So the people who I knew growing up and all that, they're still my tribe. And I have only a certain few that I 
are like my brothers and my sisters and I love them to death and I always love them to death, mm. right? We can have conversation, we can hang out and all that. But when the, the conversation, when, when life strikes where I have to be a special needs father, my relations to, to my past friends has an automatic now block because no matter what I go through, they can't understand because they don't see it in front of them. Not even my brother saw my my son have a have a seizure for the first time last week. Never saw it before mm-hmm. in eleven years of his life. Saw it for the first time last week. And I I usually when I see people have see him have a seizure, I always ask him, "Are you okay?" Because mm-hmm. I know what I went through when I first saw a seizure. I was not good. And I always ask, "Are you okay? You you need to talk." Do you, do you want to say what you're feeling? Because I, I can imagine what you're thinking right now. And they're like, I don't know how you deal with that. How the hell do you deal? How, do, how the hell do you deal with that? Constantly having to watch that. And I go, you get used to it, but you don't get used to it. You get used to it, but you don't. Yeah. Right. So going back to the story about, and it's a long, and I don't want to make it too long because I don't want, I don't want to drag it out, but there's a mm-hmm. reason why I'm saying all this. If you could just be patient with me on yeah, this yeah. one. Um, first week seizure. Second week of the game, seizure. Third week, seizure. All three, every every game you had a seat. And now you start having those, those thoughts of shit. Should I pull him out of this? Because am I hurting him? Am I am I using him as a guinea pig? Mm. No. So the guilt no. of kind of the guilt kicked in. <clears throat> the guilt kicked in, but here's the reason why I we put him in the first place. And I had yeah. this conversation with my wife before we started. Okay. At school, he'll go outside and play in the playground. Okay? No seizure. There's kids running around all over the place. Why no seizure there? Why is he having a seizure when we go and do something? And it's because it's the first time you're dealing with it. That was my theory. If I can get, if I could just get him used to the environment, maybe nothing will happen. Maybe maybe we can rise above the hump. Maybe there's a hump we have to get past. Mm -hmm. And if we get past that hump, he can now enjoy life. Mm-hmm. But even but the buildup to get to that, I'm just going to let him enjoy life as much as he can, regardless of anything. Mm-hmm. So if he if he plays one inning, fine. Has a seizure, fine. He had fun, fine. That's fine. Third week seizure. I call my wife and I said he had another one. All right, forget it. Pull him out. Just take him out. I'm going to no, We said we're going to keep him in it. So then I thought about it and I said, you know what? Maybe I should pull him out. Maybe this is the right, maybe I should pull him out. Maybe this is not right for him. And my daughter heard me and she went to me and this broke my heart. This broke my heart. She said, yeah, Papa, you know, why why are we bothering with this? Let's just forget about it. He keeps on having a seizure. What are we doing this for? And that broke my heart because the one thing I said to myself before I had kids was I'm not going to teach them to quit. So not only do I have to worry about him, but I got to worry about raising her as well mm-hmm. through this. Yeah. Okay. I got to worry about her mindset, about her development. And at that age, they are developing at a rapid, rapid rate and they're recording everything that's going on. Yep. Exactly. If I teach, if I don't put this kid back in, she's going to learn to quit. And I can't do that. 
I mean, I quit a lot of things in my life growing up, right? You don't quit your family, right? You don't quit raising your kids. You don't quit teaching them the examples of how to be. I succeeded in a lot of things in my life growing up too. I mean, I, I successfully wanted to reach a goal as an actor. I did that. I got to work with, with incredible movie stars. I never imagined I ever would, but I did. I got to actually compete in a bodybuilding show when I was younger. I had a lot of fun with that. The experience of that was unbelievable. The people who I met through there, the way they, what they told me if I stuck with it, how I would, all of these things. I succeed, but I also quit a lot of things. It's ironic that the things you quit stick with you more than the things you actually succeed at because they remind you of what you could have been, but you didn't, what you could have done, but you didn't. Going off track for a second, the reason why I'm saying all of that was that here I am right now in this moment where I cannot quit this kid. I cannot quit my son, even though it's, it's causing him to have seizures because I got to get over this hump with him. He's got to get over this hump. And we have to know for sure if this is going to happen. So I said to my daughter, you know what? We're going to try again next week. Papa, what do you mean we're going to try again next week? We can't do this again next week. I was like, no, Nora, we're going to do this again next week. You know why? And I I'm very transparent with her. I don't try to give her different messages from the real reason. I let her straight look. I said, because I can't teach her to quit. If we don't do this next week, you're going to think that we just got to stop whenever things get hard. Can't do that. Okay, if you're sure, I go, I'm sure. We're going to do this next week. Fourth week comes around, seizure. Happens again. And in this point, I'm in autopilot mode where you're now you're getting through the threshold where you're no longer emotional about things. You're no longer thinking about them anymore. Now it's just balls to the wall working to get past this because you're angry. Right? Like, you're going to do this shit. This is going to fucking happen. <laughs> whether, whether your kid likes it or not. Yeah. You're at the point that you yeah. say to your kid, like to yourself, mm -hmm. you're going, you better get this going because I'm getting sick of this shit. Like, yeah, you're at that point. <laughs> right? And again, my daughter goes, are we going to quit now? And I'm like, nope. We're going to do this again next week. So that's the fourth week. <laughs> fifth week no seizure sixth week no seizure how did you connect with that fifth week how did you, when you didn't have it and you finished we won. the game you won, there we go. We won but how did you feel like frankie how did you feel when when you got through that 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 week where he didn't have it and you got back in the car how I could, I could show you exactly what I did. I literally sat back. I took a breath. And I said, we did it. We did it. What did your daughter say? I go, I go, I go, Sinor? He goes, yeah, Pop, I can't believe it. He didn't have a seizure. And I said, do you know why? She's in the back seat. Do you know why? And she's like, because we didn't quit. I won. We won. He won. We all won. We won that day. It was a victory. Yeah.
I mean, I could cry right now just thinking about it. Well, I am. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I succeeded at a lot of things in my life. That moment, to me, was one of the most successful things I ever accomplished. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, it was one of those. It was one of those things where, when you when you have a theory on something, without any scientific proof to back it up because i know people always have uh, one thing i have a pet peeve that i have okay and that is i think a lot of people jump on the whole scientific proof bandwagon they don't throw their own experience in life in order to get to to proof of something they always have to rely on the science yeah you know i see it in weight training i see it in bodybuilding i see it it's the science says the science says what about your gut instinct? What about your heart? What about mm-hmm. the drive you have? What does that prove to you? What are you going to do? You're going to rely on the science all the time? How about effort? How about perseverance? How about drive? Because all those things matter. If I relied on the science of this, mm-hmm. I never would have taken them. I had to rely on my gut instinct based upon what I see in front of me. So if I rely on heat, excitement, Seizure. If I just relied on that, I'm like, no, it's getting used to it. Yeah. Because I've seen this in the past. Yeah. You know, it's my experience of working with him that matters. You know, not the science behind it. And it it worked. Like it it, it the theory worked. Yeah. I remember calling my wife and telling her about it. I said, she goes, So what happened? I go, no seizure. <laughs> And she's like, really? I go, I told you. It worked. <coughs> it worked. Oh, yeah. Man, that you is, know, and now, that's credit. That's credit. Uh, and the, it's, those are, those are the days that we as, we as dads, as we're like, we, we have, we, we can, we have all the right in the world to, pat ourselves on the back and say we fucking we achieved something mm-hmm. <laughs> we achieved something for our like and I and I think that's because we I don't, I don't feel that I get that enough really like and I think that there are there are moments and sometimes you know those moments are sometimes so small, but sometimes so big, right? Yeah. But we got, we have to l- live and accept and ride those moments and be like, you know, that those, we did it, you know, and it's just through perseverance, it's through trying, yeah. it's through yeah. sometimes going, sometimes going against your gut feeling and actually, yeah. and it works because it, yeah. But, um, there's also there's also a, a reality to the situation as well. Okay, to the, yeah. and when I say that, what I mean by that is, this also proves what you have to go through mm. in order for there to be a little bit of normalcy in, in the child's life. Mm. Like in order for you to have a moment of no seizure, you have to be willing to go through all of these possible all these moments of seizure till he gets used to it. 
Yeah. That's why it becomes very difficult to go and enjoy anything. Because how many times are you going to go do the same thing over and over again? It, you, 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 you don't. Well, it's like repetitive trauma, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And I can't even describe to you like what this, like, this is just me. You know, the way I, I, what the, 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 what I've succeeded at with this whole thing, you know, my wife's success. I mean, if I could talk about her for a second, I mean, it's very true what they say behind every successful man is, is an incredible woman. Right. But to watch and see what she is capable of, what she has done. For him, for my daughter, for me, on top of that. You know, it's complete. Uh, I'm completely like humbled by it. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, we have our fights, you know, her and I, because her and I are very A type, both of us. Like, we're very, we're very driven people, both of us. So when we have our, our arguments, they're, they're, they're big, they're big ones, right? But we also know that a lot of the reason why we fight the way we do is because of our situation, because things get lost in translation. You know, we haven't spoken about the whole marriage aspect to it, what this does to your marriage. I mean, it's one thing to have children because children's alter marriages, right? Mm -hmm. And they're supposed to. The The expectation of children, how they alter the marriage is an expected change. Yeah. When you throw a medical condition in a marriage okay you could take whatever you know and throw it out the window it, it doesn't matter because you both are set on this you both are set in a path when raising a child where you both are are handling it but you both are together on it because there's a normalcy that comes with it when you're dealing with a special needs situation you both are there next to one another but what ends up happening is your parallels of how you manage and how you're dealing how you grieve are very different they're not the same they're just not men and women in this situation handle things in my experience yep. handle things differently yeah, okay, I can't speak for everybody. I'm not going to start causing controversies about, you know, whatever, because especially in this climate that we live in, I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to say for sure that our process was very different in how we grieved and how we handled. And my wife made a point about something as to what it's like. And it, she's very true about this. It's like shedding a snakeskin. Okay. The skin's about to shed. Skin changes color, but it's still on the body. Mm. It takes time for it to come off. Yeah. And as it comes off, it becomes like weight. It's dead weight because now it's just annoying. You know, you it's it's there. It's got to come off, but it it sucks because you got to deal with this and you're trying to get out of it, but you got, it takes time. You can't force it. And then one day, the skin finally just separates from the the snake, and the snake now moves on. And that dead skin is now off and it's done. And it's kind of the same thing with the acceptance, this, the acceptance process. You're just, you're grieving. And you try to make sense of something. Because that person who you were is no longer the person you are now. A variation of it, yes, mm -hmm. but not the same. 
you're growing. Growing is painful. Growing is necessary. Change is necessary. Change is difficult for a person of my culture. I don't like change, but change is inevitable. Right? You have to be able to take the good with the bad and you have to be able to move forward. Not easy to do. So we start relying like uh, life, like a, throw me a lifesaver. Something I rely on. You know, addictions can start happening. All sorts of things can start happening. Yeah. You start going into a hole. You start going into yeah. a rabbit hole. You start relying on other ways to get you through your coping mechanisms. Yeah. All of those things. You know, at, and I had them. What did you have? I was a collector. Was mm -hmm. I was a, I was a, I was a collector for mm -hmm. a while. Uh, I was collecting movie movie memorabilia, and I was selling them. I was using them for a purpose, mm -hmm. but I also mm -hmm. I also threw myself into it. Yeah, I, I threw myself into that. Uh, but it got obsessive after a while. A lot of money. Mm -hmm. A lot of money spent. A lot of money spent that I could tell it helped, you know, with extra cash. I needed I needed another cash flow, but I could feel myself getting lost in it because there's a high dopamine charge with material items when things are new, that obsession of the new, the new, 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 new. And you just you keep on and it got to a point where I knew like this this was this had a it's got to stop at some point. Like it's, I could sense I'm not even into it anymore and I'm still yeah, doing it. Right. Right. You know? Um, and like the communication between you and your significant other can vastly be altered as a result of it. You mm -hmm. know, your memory gets affected. You're not remembering things as much as you used to anymore. You're, you're becoming um, irate. You know, uh, your marriage takes a massive hit when it comes to having time for yourselves together because there's no time. There's no time for yourselves anymore. You don't have the assistance to help with this like you do. Like if you wanted to like, if you wanted to go out for dinner with your wife, the person who you leave your child with has to know what they're doing in the event that he has a seizure. We didn't have that luxury on a regular basis, right? We had our mother-in-law. She was able, I had my mother-in-law. She was able to come and help out, right? But no one else really could. They really, I mean, they, you could, if you were in the house with them, they could watch him for a couple, you know, for a little bit, sure. But you could see the fear in people's eyes when they would do this. There was this sense of, I don't want to be responsible for something I don't know what could happen, right? And I don't want to put anybody in that kind of position. So what ends up happening is that you start getting under each other's skin because there's a delusion that happened. There is like this, this modified uh, energy around you where everything's always in the red zone and you're constantly irate, you're constantly angry, you're constantly stressed, you're constantly anxious. And... You're, you and your significant other, you're constantly exhausted, right? And you want to be pampered. You want to be helped. And then what ends up happening, you start battling over who does more. That's a debate. Now, marriage is like that in general sometimes too with kids anyway, because kids are exhausting. But when you throw the special needs situation in where a seizure can happen at any given moment with his condition, 
it'll it'll modify anything you know as to being normal. And it, it, it I mean, I could go into specifics for hours on this on this whole thing, but there but was it, a period it, of time. It's, it's it's just a whole different level, isn't it? It's just a it's, whole it, different. It, 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 it's just a level you can't even describe. It's it, no. there is this there is this energy that surrounds both of you where you're both angry and you're both sad, right? And there are moments of happiness, but ironically, the moments of happiness are when, you know, when they say when kids are in school, parents get a break, right? We it's a break, it's a real break. It is, but it's more than that because the people he is with. We have confidence they could handle him, right? That's that's the issue. It's not enough that somebody's watching him. He's got to be able to be handled. Yeah, you've got to have that confidence and that faith. Because and, because mm. the, the responsibility is yours. Mm. You're accountable. If you if you hire somebody to watch a child and you just threw them in there, threw them threw him in 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 their lap. Just because he, there's a babysitter there and you go out to eat and all of a sudden a seizure takes place and the, the, the babysitter doesn't know what they're doing with that, you're accountable for that. You put a person in a position where they didn't know how to handle the situation. You just wanted to get out. It doesn't work that way. You have to have complete confidence the person knows what they're doing with the situation. You know, it's, a, it's, it's, yeah. it's you know, Man. you know, it's it there's no you know no sleep you don't sleep in the same bed together you both are on mono you're, you're both making modified foods for him you know if you want to go um you go out with friends for dinner one night not even for dinner you're out at the baseball game right mm. we're gonna go get pizza afterwards can't do that yeah yeah that's the thing so <clears throat> it just can't do that it it, it rules can't do that. rules a, a massive part of your life yeah my my your mind plays mm. tricks on you too because there's a level of 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 delusions you also get through this as well the delusions are big too they're huge because i mean what are delusions you're 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 thinking you you go into a rabbit hole over a theory you have and you 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 dig that into the ground as it being the truth and it doesn't necessarily have to be that way but usually when there's a delusion usually it's because there was some sort of truth in there that has happened in a traumatic sort of way in the past, mm -hmm. right? So <clears throat> what I what I sensed was that very isolating. People weren't inviting us over to events. Mm -hmm. It was just immediate family, right? Friends started to feel like they were drifting away, right? You would hear about birthday parties and... He's not invited. Why is he wasn't? Why wasn't he invited? In your mind, you're going, "Why wasn't he invited?" You know, it's it wasn't anything per. You know, you had nothing to do with any. But in your mind, you're now being delusional. You're starting to say to yourself, "He wasn't invited because if he was invited and had a seizure, he would ruin that child's birthday party, that child's time." Okay, and they don't want that for their family. And when I give this look, this gesture, it's that. Oh, too bad for you. Unfortunate for you, but that's just the reality. Yeah. Can't have that. Now, here's the thing. There might be some truth to that, right? But it also can be, I could be completely wrong. Yeah. And those are the mind fucks. Those are the mind fucks that come with it. 
Okay. Those are my fucks. They are. They are, man. Okay. I got <clears throat> two two questions to to finish up with here. Yep. Um, let's go with the first one. Uh, what is something that made you just laugh recently? That actually you just like, yeah, just had a good laugh at something. Because I think that's something that I, I was I was thinking this morning to myself. It's like, okay, what did I what did I really laugh at? Like, have a good laugh at something. Just because we we that's something that I don't, I didn't, and I still don't do enough. Is laugh because that's good for us. It's healthy for us to laugh and just have a good fucking laugh. So what? Can you think of a moment that you actually, you know, I laugh. I laugh. I even I, laughing at yourself. Like I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly laughing. <clears throat> like I, I, I laughter is a, is a very powerful therapeutic method to dealing with traumas, mm. and I'm, la I'm laughing all the time. I, I like to make jokes. I love laughing with my friends. I love laugh, laughing with my coworkers, my wife. My wife, when my wife and I laugh, it's hysterical because we, <laughs> we both can relate to whatever situation we're dealing with. Um. We laugh a lot when she tells me things he said or when my, my daughter tells me things that she said. We laugh hysterical because it's part of their growing pattern. Um, recently laughed at. Had a good laugh. Uh, well, this morning, um, she told me that he came out of school and he, so the exact words, I don't remember, but it was something to the effect of, he goes, uh, I smart because he came out of school. <laughs> something like that, something to that effect. And it was hysterical <laughs> because I never heard him say this before. Right. I never heard him say this before. Um, and it was hysterical. And there are other things too that he does. And, um, I, I laugh with my wife. I try to laugh with my wife as much as possible. If I could, add, if I can modify the question, the yeah. answer to my question, I laugh with my wife as much as possible. And I really try to make her laugh as much as possible because I know she needs it. I know I need it. And it's very therapeutic for both of us. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. It's a very, it's a very therapeutic means of dealing yeah. with, of dealing with the situation. Okay. Uh, what would you, what are three or four words that sum up your life as Nicole's dad? Three words. Yeah. Um, three or humble, words. Hu humbled. Proud. and honored i would say because it's been it like i said it, it's an unfortunate privilege mm. it's it's the it's the <clears throat> the path you would never choose to go on but it's the path that really makes you who you it proves to you what who you really are mm. I like that. Those are the best. Those are the best like three that. words I could, I could possibly think of. I like that. Yeah, that's a, that's yeah. I like that. That's a 
It proves to you. Let's hear that again. It proves to you. What was it? Can you say that it, it, it proves to you who you really are. Yeah. Because you have no choice but to become the person you're going to become as a result of it. And however things turn out, you have to be accountable. Accountable, not, not accountable in a bad way. People here, when they hear the word accountable, they think of it as like, you know, if you if you fuck up, it's on you. No, I'm not mean that as when I say accountable, what I mean is the end result of all of this, mm. however it turns out, your part, you're accountable for. You make your choices and you realize that the easy way out is never the way out. So you make your choices as hard as they are and you persevere and you power through and you just become a better person as a result of it. I mean, I've learned, I've learned so much about myself through this process. I'm still learning about myself. And as much as the journey is painful for my son and it's painful for us to watch what he goes through, there's a lot of happiness that comes with it too. You know, I don't want to make it all doom and gloom. He's got no. the condition. But it's but so in your, but this, but this is the thing is guys, Mike, my previous guest, as we spoke about this, is because it's so in your face. It's so in your face. You can't even see it around it. It's so in your yeah. face. Yeah. And so, but it's and it's in your face like this. And then and then it's kind of and then it's gone, right? But you can't not like not see it. And that's what that's what it is. And I think that's a it's a great way. What do you said with like I was like, that's just so true. It's so in your face that you you have to acknowledge it. You have to kind of um learn to kind of accept it and you can't like sometimes you just can't look around it you have to kind of just face it face on and be like yes this is really fucking hard and i find it hard every day and and that and but we can also have amazingly fantastic times and and that is the balance of it that's just that is just you know this is life it's life you know it's what it is mm -hmm. It it is, and and it's such a it's a, such a, the journey the, the journey of of being a parent is is an incredible one. Like you you don't you you don't you don't know what you're made of until you're responsible for somebody else. This mm -hmm. responsibility of being a special needs parent is a very different thing because it's an altered state of any reality or any. Anything you know in your immediate circle, anybody's aware of, right? And as many as as many people as there are that have similar circumstances as you, you can't take away the isolation feeling of it, the isolating feeling of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. The isolating feeling is so strong, mm -hmm. you know, that you can't you can't help but feel like you're all alone. Yeah, you know. And I think like what, like say what you're doing, offering a platform for people like myself to be able to speak. This is the very first time I ever spoke about any of this to anybody outside of my circle on this level, not for two hours, with two and two hours, and 15 minutes we're going right now. Yeah. You know, like that is tremendous. Like what you're offering people is an absolute, it's, it's a gift. You know, so hats, hats off to you because your journey brought you to this level. Mm -hmm. and i and i i can't tell you how 
much as it's affected me because I think I, I now I know for sure that I'm ready to provide a similar platform, you know, for people who I know are local to me and 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 mm-hmm. I know people who have the situation and we need people like yourself and I'm going to say myself too. I'll take pride in that. Yeah. We need people. We need more people like us that are willing to help others to provide the platform for them to be able to speak their minds. Because if there's only one way to get to allow like men in our situation to be able to speak is to give them a platform and to get through it. Hi. And to, and yeah, and allow them to be able to speak their minds mm-hmm. and to, to let them be able to say what they're going through. And, and if they don't want to say anything either, mm-hmm. that's part of the process. Mm-hmm. It is, that yeah. is part of the process. Mm-hmm. You know, be it, process is not about the 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 hope and expectation that somebody's going to speak part of the process is just being in the moment because there's a lot of movement in stillness there is a lot of movement in stillness there's a lot of growth in stillness because it, it melts away mm. the exterior it melts it away because the harder someone tries to hold it the slower it melts, but the harder it becomes for it to melt, but it does. Yeah. Because eventually it has to give you that's, that's mm-hmm. a lot of energy, the, the amount of energy to hold that in. It's not sustainable. No, at some not. point you're going to, at some point you're going to crack. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're built to believe that we can't crack under pressure. We have to stay strong. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a Democrat. We, not that I want to again go there, but you know, we were proud. Some of us were built with the idea, and I was. I was raised with the idea that the demographic of women don't like men who are quote unquote weak, that show vulnerability. Because they don't they're not attracted to that. Like that, that's how I grew up. Yeah. That's how I grew up. You know. Uh, but it's not about crying or or it's got nothing to do with emotion emotion or anything like that it's about knowing how to move forward with things and you have to be self-aware of whatever you're going through and for men i I think for men it's a little little more challenging to do but it's it's absolutely not there's no shame in it Mm. listen when you bring someone's health into a situation and you let them know look if you don't do this you're gonna you're gonna have a heart attack. You're gonna have a stroke. If you're not taking care of yourself, that's gonna have an effect on you after a while. Like we have a duty to take care of ourselves. That's that. That's not a. It's not a privilege. It's a duty. Yeah. You know, I like we. That. Have I like to... that. I I actually like that phrase because I think that's actually. Um. Because I don't think we look at it like that. I don't think we look at it like that. We look at it as just like something that. Um, I don't know. We, like, I'm trying to think of an analogy to kind of, but I, I, I like it. Yeah, we have a duty to. We, we, we have mentally a, if, and if, physically. If, to, if, yeah. if, if, if anything, if anything, if men are built on discipline, if we're built on the idea that we have to be a certain way, okay, fine. Then you have to take care of yourself. That's a duty yeah. from the inside out. And you set out if you if, if that's if that's truly how you feel if you truly feel that your culture and your your upbringing is an absolute and has to happen then you also will agree you got to take care of yourself 
It's a duty because you have to be there for others. You are responsible for them. You are responsible for, and your wife or your significant other, whoever you're married to, or whoever you're with. If marriage is not there, it's not an option. Uh, if it's not, if not, if it's not that, if that's not what's going on, uh, they have a duty also. They have a duty to take care of themselves, and you have to allow that. You know. Yeah. You have a duty to each other to take care of one another. Absolutely to that. That's an absolute duty that, that, and you should want to be there. You should want to be there for each other and you should want, and you should want to be able to take care of yourself and you should not have any guilt in doing that. You can't, you can't afford to have guilt in doing that. Yeah. And I'm not saying you're going to just spend the whole day and go, go spend your day at the spa. What I mean is you're going to, you know, you're going to give yourself the break mentally, you know, not to feel like if you're not watching your child all day long, like if something happens, it's your fault. No, you don't have to do that to yourself. It's not your fault. I can't tell you how many times my son had a seizure with my eyes, my but my back turned. My wife, same thing happened with her a few times, quite a few times yeah. as well. You know, if we only did this, if we only did that, I did that a lot. It's a trap. They're all traps. Frank, man, I, I really like. Yeah, you know, the the chat we've had today, man, it's been yeah. really good, and I I really feel that we're kind of the last hour. You know, we really really got into it, like yeah. we've we and 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 I, and that's why I don't put any time limits on these because I feel that like, um, sometimes putting time limits on it, it's just like, you know, you don't know me, I don't know you. Like, yeah. how the hell can we expect to have these kind of conversations in 60 minutes? That doesn't fucking happen. No, like, it doesn't. And, it's, and I think that, you know, that's the beauty of a podcast is you can hear that, you know, that that kind of transition of two dads talking about situations which are really difficult for them in different ways. And that kind of movement through and hearing how, you know, we start to be real about it. I, I, you know, and be honest about it and be, and be yeah. like open about it. And that is just so important. So I really thank you for the Frankie because it's. Oh, hundred percent. I'm, 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 thank you for having me. I mean, it's, 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 it, this is an experience that I think I, I will never forget this experience. This is fantastic. Awesome. Lovely, man. Yeah. Frankie, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. I, I, uh, yeah. I haven't even, you know what? I'm going to ask you quickly. Because we and I'm going to go with this because music. We talked about music. Tool. <laughs> the number one band in the world. Tool. There it is. Okay. Can you give me Tool. a track that you? A couple of tracks that. Rosetta you just, stoned. Right. <laughs> okay. And another one. Uh, schism. Okay. I can right, give I'll... you a whole list. I can give you a whole list. Tool. <gasps> Numa. Uh, Invincible off the new album. Wow! I mean, this so you're a big band, fan. Tools, you're a big fan of Tool. It's it's not that I was a big fan. I yep. I discovered them. I I knew of them when I grew up. Yeah, right? yeah. But I yeah. I wasn't ready for them. I wasn't ready for them when I started training. Yeah. At the top of COVID, a couple of songs here and there popped up. And I said, you know what? Let me give them a chance. Because mm. I was listening to Corn, I was listening to Metallica, I was listening right, to right. Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, all those bands. And I said, you know what? Let me. I always remember Tool. Like, I got to 
Yeah, yeah. I give them a chance again. And I threw that music on, and for the next two and a half years, nothing else played through my speakers. So they are your tool, mate. They help they you. Are. They're your tool. They, tool their is your tool. music, their music, they take you on a journey. I mean, I, I don't know any man or woman that matter who has listened to this band who doesn't have the same look in their eye when you talk about the band. Mm -hmm. They were we you go on a journey with their music and they hit the very intimate uh emotions that we all go through with their music. They hit the marks in a way where you get triggered. Inspiration, uh, um, uh, not anger, but just uh, it's like an explosion of energy that mm -hmm. just comes over you. And their music for me has been influential in the gym. It's been influential in just, it's like I'm listening to them talk about me. The way they speak, the way they, the way he sings, uh, the way that band plays, and I mean, just to watch them play. I haven't watched them. I haven't. I've not seen them live yet, but I'm hoping, hoping that I can at some point because they are an incredible musical influence on my life, at least. You know, and I, I'm, I'm, I have a big banner above my my gym space. All right. Okay. I thought you were going to say and like I, your bed. <laughs> I, I'll send you, I'll send you, I'll, I'll, my wife wouldn't approve of that one. I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you a picture of, it, of my gym space and, and, and how I have it set up. And I have the garage door open wide. And yeah. I love the band so much that when I pump you the speakers. Share with the neighbors? I share with the neighbors and I make sure they hear it. <laughs> oh, that's, I, I love it. You're sharing, sharing the, the love, it, man. That's what you're doing. You're it, just sharing that love. A hundred percent. It gets to the point. It gets to the point that I had one of the uh, the lawn keepers that came into my garage. They walked right into my garage. Now I'm like, I'm one of those like people that are just like, what the fuck are you doing in my property? Like, what? Are you, like that was me, right? So he comes on. He goes. And he goes. What music is that? And I'm like, oh, well, that's Tool. He goes, is that Tool? Wow, man. Like, I, I got to get into this music. I'll go. Yeah. So I started. It, like, I felt like I was their personal. Like I, I, I was like a sales rep. Like, oh, that's great! I love it. it so great. good, man. I, yeah. Well, you've I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. After this, I'm gonna um get on my Spotify and uh, have a have a look, and I'm gonna have a look, listen to the, uh, those two those two tracks. Or you can more than that. But I'm have a look at those first two ones that you you listed. Listen, listen to, listen to, uh, invent off their new album. Okay, okay. Uh, it's called Fear Inoculum. Listen okay. to Invincible. Okay. And I think it's called Descendant, the track that comes right after. Their whole album is fantastic, but Invincible yeah. and Descendant All right. are are very powerful tracks. Okay. And they take you on they take you on a journey. Okay. Well, I'm gonna do that. We don't need to be on a journey. We are yes. all on a journey. Yeah. And uh um, and I'm sure these are, these will go onto a, the um, Spotify playlist that I put uh, tracks on for the dads. So basically, songs for dads that um, make them either uh, have different ways of making them feel. So I put them onto a playlist, and I share. It's on. Um, it can be easily accessed uh, through the um, uh, the main website, and also and make um, sure make make sure you have uh, Rosetta Stone on that one. Okay. And I believe I think if I'm if I'm pronouncing this correctly, I think it's called Lateratus. Okay. another one 
Uh, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong because every time I every time I see their titles, I always say the titles the way I like to say them versus how they're actually pronounced. <laughs> uh, whatever works for you, man. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. All right, Frankie, so, man. Yeah, Thank let's you. do this Thanks again, again, man. Let's, let's do, listen. When I get my uh, when I get my podcast up and running, I'm I'm gonna reach out to you. All right, absolutely, man. I would love to have, love. have you want a guest, and then, I'd love to be a guest. And then I want to hear about you instead. Yeah. I want to hear about what you've got going on. We'll I know, and I'd love to. And I, like, I, I know it's like to. Uh, I've I've been on the other side once before, um, and actually I was I was scared shitless. Actually, I was it was yeah. one, I was on a podcast, um, two pieces of podcast. I'm gonna put I'll put the link into it, actually our episode, um, and I was actually um, I was very nervous, um, uh, but I, you know, I did all right and. Um, for about two weeks, I was just so, so I was like, what did, did I say things right? Did I sound all right? Did I like, yeah. did I, like and uh, anyway, yeah, but it was fine. And uh, yeah, for two weeks, I was stressing out before it came out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing when this comes out. And uh, yeah, man. it'll be great, buddy. It'll be out uh, probably right. next, uh, next Sunday. So not this Sunday, but next Sunday. So which will be the uh, 18th, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Goodness me. 11th? 11th yeah. i think yeah well, in the meantime right. uh cool, in the meantime just just keep in touch man yep you, know, you got right. a new friend you got a new friend in your life so if you need, awesome. if you need, if you need someone to reach out to and talk or just vent to i'm here frankie wonderful man be good man right. take care look after right, yourself mate and thanks again hey? all Absolutely. right bye-bye thanks man bye just a quick note for everyone who's listening if you are if you're a dad and you actually want to be on the podcast and be a guest and have some questions thrown at you and you know allow you some space to talk about the challenges that you've had uh please get in touch um you can get in touch through the facebook page instagram and uh, also you can send us an email uh, you can send me an email on life with jamie and more at gmail.com so please do get in touch and uh, I really look forward to being in contact with some of you guys and uh, being able to hear your stories because I know there are stories out there and uh, I think it's, uh, it's good to be heard. So get in touch. Thanks everyone. Have a good one.